Welcome to the Chatterbox with your host, Nicole Parchani. Today's guest I had the honor of meeting through Microsoft's summer internship program. Christopher Cha is a Maryland native studying computer science and engineering. Over the summer, Christopher and I engaged in many conversations about history, culture, film, and the outdoors that I just had to bring him on the podcast. In this episode, we chat about his journey to Microsoft, our shared love for ancient civilization, the rise of national parks, what is the meme word of the year, aliens, multiverses, and more. How, how, is, how are you doing today? How, how has the day been so far? I'm doing pretty good. Probably woke up for the first time in a long time uh, at 8.30 a.m. It's like this summer, it's like my weekends are just thinking, you know what? I don't have to wake up for anything. It's the weekend. And then for some I reason, feel. I woke up at 830. And I thought, you know what? I'll start the day early today. So yeah, it's more a power week. to it's a you. Yeah. Have you like during the semester? Are you like a do you have early classes usually? Or are you like a, a more of a night owl? Night owl? Yeah, I wanted to say that right. Night owl. I think when I didn't have the choice, like, cause I mean, I'm sure everybody's gone through that. You, you know, you're a freshman on campus, you're excited, and then you realize your schedule is horrible because you just don't have any choice for like 101 classes. You know, I the feel. professors they'll put them everything's like, full. Yeah, everything's full. Professors are like, let's put it at 9:30 a.m. or hey, let's put this at 8 a.m. classes. I'm like, no, no, why would you do that? But you know, as a as as now a senior, I'm just like, ah. You know, this class does seem interesting, but then there's another class that's also seem interesting, but that one's at 11 a.m. That one's at noon. Hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I have not, I don't think, probably since sophomore year, I haven't had like an 8 a.m. class and that's been like purposefully done. <laughs> I feel, I feel like I definitely agree with you. Like when you're a freshman, you don't know anything and you're just getting what you can get at that point. Yeah. But I definitely... When I didn't have to have ADMs, it was a blessing. I was very f- lucky, though. I feel like a lot of Michigan's, like, EECS courses were at, like, 10 a.m. Like, and they would be, I don't know how it is at your university, but it would be, like, every other day, usually, during, like, a block period. So I would be done, like, early afternoon most times unless I had a terribly long lab. And I don't know if, if you have had labs that go, like, four hours, like, labs like that that just take forever. But my only 8 a.m. I feel like was a selected 8 a.m. And it was yoga because I was like, oh, let me start my day off, you know, all zen. And I would wake up. Well, I'd make really my boyfriend wake up because he would drive me to campus <laughs> at 8 a.m. to go and like do yoga in the morning before my 10 a.m. Like eeks antennas or like, I don't know, 216 class or something like that. But what is your major? For, for the folks that don't know you. Ah, so I'm a computer engineering major at the University of Maryland. Go Terps. Woo-woo. And yeah, it's, I was funnily enough, um, started off as an archaeology major and I totally switched fields into computer engineering. So that's a story, but. What made you want to go into archaeology first in the first place? I don't know. It was just, I was always interested in history and just more of the humanities than say the sciences. It's not like I didn't appreciate the sciences. Like, I guess I was just into everything in high school, but it was probably a mixture of, I took some like, so we had this thing in high school called the humanities courses and 
it was a little bit different than like your regular English or regular history in that the two teachers who were responsible for that program at my high school, they purposely tried to make their lessons work with each other. So mm. if we were learning, say like, um, I don't know, if we were learning about like, uh, uh, what is it like the American Revolutionary War in say the history class in the English class, we would read things like the Declaration of Independence, read things like mm. Thomas Paine's, I think Common Sense was the book. So like with the history or whatever event from history, we would try to read the literature of people who are like witnesses from or, that like, time. Yeah. From that time period. And like vice versa, if we're reading like ancient Greek literature, like if we're reading the Iliad or the Odyssey, we would learn about Athens and Sparta in the history class so that the two classes would actually coordinate with each other. And I thought that was pretty cool because that was like the, probably my first experience of like interdisciplinary where it's like, oh, literature is not just by itself. Oh, history is not by itself. Yeah, and they're all together all the they're time. They're all together, yeah. Yeah. I guess like, do you have a favorite period though like do you have a favorite time period i don't know i feel like it it is a bit of a cop-out answer because it is <laughs> um i feel like it changes because you know i like i think okay so in middle school and like my first half of high school i was really into like roman history yeah there was just so much of it and it was like a clearly delineated story right rome rise rome became great and then rome fell i was like oh as a middle school i'm like that's like a story that i can follow it's cute like, yeah after a while <laughs> like i get bored of roman history and then like i find the next interesting thing so i think yeah latter half of high school i was really into like late medieval slash like early modern history so think like mm. renaissance think like the renaissance is uh, a good time yeah i feel like the renaissance seemed and, like, like a lit time Pretty recently, I think my focus on history has been like, and I think this is sort of a guilty thing about a lot of history courses, is that there's definitely like a European-centric focus on history. And so, I mean, pretty recently, I was reading into, say, like Mesoamerican history, which, I mean, to be frank, there's just not enough information compared yeah. to like European history. It's just, yeah. that's just how it is. The but... conquistadors just killed them all and was like, this is my land. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's a very ugly version. It's a very ugly chapter of human history. But there's, a, there's like, there's interesting, there's so much more beyond just what just, it's in that standard history textbook. True, so. exactly. And it's like interesting because you don't realize like, even though we learn about history just from the narratives of a few folks like they were just regular people too that were just doing their thing you know maybe planting their crops weaving their baskets and rugs and we don't ever hear about like what their struggles were like what their problems were but my favorite definitely I feel like in high school was like the ancient Mayan, you know, because of the whole conspiracy yeah. around like the calendar. Um, I was super into like the Incas because I just thought like they were so advanced, like being able to breathe those high altitude and build like gigantic structures. And they make, you know, they have quinoa, which, you know, I like quinoa. And <laughs> I love, quinoa. yeah. And then like the ancient Indian civilizations were cool because it's like, well, those are like the first languages. You have Sanskrit, you have like, I forgot. I think it's the Muhanja Duro where they built like the first like main like sewer system in India, like back, 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 back in the day. Yeah. And just like the understanding of like how religions came to be and all of that, like is so fascinating. But I am so fascinated. I'm, as I'm sure I've told you about like 
ancient Egypt and just like all like how did we how just I have questions you know like even understanding the Stonehenge I'm just like what how the 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 uh, the figures on like Easter Island too that like they didn't even know like our whole bodies but they were like intentionally buried like who's doing that and why are you doing that like I just have so many questions I always thought of it as like perspective like i mean i mean i I think if you were to step back and look at like human ingenuity and like drive it's like i mean think of like shanghai right shanghai was basically a fisher's village 30 40 years ago and like if you look at shanghai now on google image it's like skyscrapers yeah industrial complexes like you know and like you know 30 years it's like a drop in the bucket for like human history it's i feel yeah it's like a not even a blink it's It's like a mid blink just history has shown what can be done in such a short amount of time i just think it goes to prove how awesome humans are though humans are insane little creatures (laughs) and it's like i don't know it's like isn't like 50 million plus people live in the shanghai metropolitan area now and it was just it was literally just a fishing village 30 40 years ago that's like crazy that's not a long time like that's someone's life you know it's yeah. literally someone's yeah. life like <laughs> but i guess so you are a born and raised american living in the beautiful eastern seaboard in in the is maryland a part of the tri- maryland's not part of the tri-state right it's a part of a different trio isn't it like well we have our own tri-state kind of you know um so uh, I, I'm guessing you're referring to tri-state of like New York, New Jersey, and like Connecticut, um, Connecticut I don't know. area. I'm not but I know, like, because like I know when they talk about DC, like they always talk about it, like from Maryland, Virginia. There's like a like kind of another kind of tri-statey. Yeah. So, so this, I might anger some people from Delaware here, but as a, <laughs> as from Maryland, when 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 when, when, I, when we say DMV, we don't mean the Department of Motors and uh, vehicles, vehicles. Think, but um i think most people that i know in maryland virginia when, when you say dmv we mean dc maryland virginia dmv mm. but if you ask some people from delaware they say delaware maryland virginia i don't know if i would agree with that i've always talked about it as dmv so dc maryland virginia but yeah i mean i think most of maryland central maryland to like dc to northern virginia it's a pretty it's a pretty homogenous region like mm. you know northern virginia central maryland and then dc in between it's like we like to think of it as one area yeah i pretty much spent my entire life in the dmv area uh, i think probably the farthest i've ever moved it's like 20 25 miles yeah yeah i lived like i lived half a year in california and that's about as far as that yeah, like how was it living in Cali compared to the east? I feel like western, the west side of America is just more chill. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I lived in it in the latter half of 2019, so that was right before this whole pandemic. Mm. So I got, yeah, some say I got lucky with the timing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I just remembered. I'll never forget when I landed at SFO because I was staying in San Francisco for that half a year. Love San Fran. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, it's so, I don't know if slow pace is the right way to say it, but yeah, it's people chill. just chill. Yeah. yeah. Like people, I feel like are more just going with the flow of life. You know, they trying to have a good time. They're all about love and acceptance. 
Well, some folk, Although I, I don't will know. say, I will say though, when it came to the cost of living, however, that was something. It's that, ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous. That kind of shocked me. I don't know how like, people I live over there. I always there. read it in the papers, but. I guess like, how much is rent in Maryland compared? I mean, like in San Fran, it's ridiculous. It's like 3000 a lot of money, period. But I feel like it's probably more realistic in Maryland. I think it depends because, I mean, California is a giant state compared to, say, Maryland or even Virginia. So if you're living in like, you know, downtown D.C., you can get up, you can get pretty expensive. It's nowhere as near as though San Francisco. I think like maybe a one bedroom luxury apartment right next to, say, like, um, DuPont Circle, maybe like eighteen hundred, maybe twenty two hundred, but that's like what a room or a slash one bedroom room in San Francisco is. So it's like, oh, you yeah, get your exactly. own apartment versus say you get in your own bedroom in San Francisco. Yeah, but if you're like living in the suburbs, you're like a thirty forty minute commute north of DC. You could probably get into like a house with some friends, maybe like six seven hundred a bedroom per person. Yeah, so. That's not too yeah, crazy. Because, like, even yeah. in Michigan, like, the college town, if you're living on campus, you're definitely paying a ridiculous amount of money for, like, a shack. Um, whereas, like, I lived in Ipsy, which is, like, midway, well, midway between, like, the Ann Arbor-Ipsy border. It was still in the same county, but rent was significantly cheaper. Like, I only paid, I think, like, $800 roughly a month, like, between me and my boyfriend, like, living and having rent in, in Ipsy compared to, like, our friends that were paying thousands of dollars to live in literally a shack like i remember i don't know if maryland also got hit with the polar vortex when that happened but literally like one of my friends like his sliding door was a sheet of glass i mean of of ice because of how cold it was like it was just ridiculous ridiculous yeah that i don't think we got hit just as hard but yeah i mean i think everybody goes through that their stage in life i mean i'm going through it still <laughs> and maybe you are as well but like you know when you're young and you're in college you know it's not you're not you're not always living in like the best apartment or maybe like you know just even like, roof you know, over your head just, <laughs> just a roof over you're trying to ramen save money. in your belly just roof and yeah i mean speaking head. of ramen it's also like food right you know as a college student or as a young person in their 20s you gotta like you know, you, I, you know every struggle. once in a while i like to treat myself out and go to a nice restaurant but let's be honest here, i'm it's expensive <laughs> I'm, I'm probably, so you know, sick. Meal prepping or making you meal know, prepping food. also hard though. I'm just like I'm. I don't know. I'm so used to my mom used to feed me so well. So like now I feel like I'm struggling. I'm just like mom, why do you have to spoil me? Because now I can't eat shitty food, and I'm just like, oh my god, this tastes bad. Do I have to eat it? Yes, you do, because we're not spending more money on takeout, but. I know you were saying like DC has great food because of all the embassies there. And I guess like, is there, is there any perks to being close to the Capitol? Like, I guess, do you get to see the presidents? Like, have you, do you see, I, I feel like the only time I would have cared is when Obama was living there, but. Well, not to spoil your dreams, but I don't think I ever saw Obama when I was hanging around DC as a kid or as a high school student. I mean, I doubt he's just outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably do there definitely stuff. is the chance that like i guess like you know in los angeles you'll like if you're in hollywood you'll like, you'll see a celeb you'll see a celebrity but like i know at least in like dc some of my high school friends have seen like uh representatives or like i think one I feel of the like senators saw, are less impressive though like the only senators that are cool are bernie and aoc the rest of them i could care less i did have a couple of high school friends when they were 
um, on like a weekend trip. They did see Elizabeth Warren and got to talk to her. Oh, cool. cool. That is cool. But I guess like vice president, president, probably not. You know, there's always secret, uh, what is it? Secret service <laughs> protecting them. But yeah, I, I guess feel. one thing I do like about DC is like all of the public institutions, like museums, mm. parks, uh, what, that, what else? Um, like all these like historical houses, I guess they're kind of similar to museums, but like they're all free because they're all, most of them fall under like the Smithsonian. Yeah, I would love to go to so. the Smithsonian. Like I, I mean, ever, I mean, as a foreigner, having grown up watching that at the museum, it just seems so cool. Like I was just, even like I, I've always wanted to see the one in New York, but I really want to see the one in DC. And like my thing as a kid was like the astronaut ice cream. Like I used to think that that was so cool. Like just like what the food that the astronauts, like, again, this is a foreigner who my, we have like one museum where I'm from and it's small and needs a lot of love i think but to see like these huge institutions that have all of this history and like you said like most of it i remember like during our conversations was just like in the archives and like most people don't even get to see like all the amazing things that the smithsonian even has in its archives which is stuff that i remember you were saying like there was a course you could take or something like that where you can go in and find like a fossil and write your thesis about it that just had never been examined because there's just so much information down there yeah. Uh, I mean, if anybody's interested, a lot of the local universities around DC have um, deals with the Smithsonian where if you're like, yeah, if you're like majoring in archaeology or like art history or like literature, you're allowed to have, obviously, if they go through the right channels and sign a lot of disclosures saying that you won't harm anything. But, uh, you know, if you're a student or if you're like a PhD researcher, you're allowed to have access um, to the archives. So, um, I mean, it's just crazy how much stuff they have there. And it's like all, yeah, it's all for the public good. So it, it's just amazing to me because uh, I remember there was a Maryland PhD student who had literally found a new species in the archives because it was like, so sometimes the Smithsonian, they participate in archaeological digs. And if they just don't have the time to individually research or catalog every single fossil, they'll do mass castings where they put all the fossils they find at a site into a casting, do it all at once and record keep it for later discovery. But obviously, you know, there's a backlog of everything. So they allow BC students to go and check it, check out all of this casted and molded, essentially hunks of dirt and bones yeah. that they didn't have time to go through. And so who knows what's in all that stuff you know like i said some peace students have found and discovered new species and they've been able to name them you know it's a courtesy they always give that's to so people cool who discover new species but, that would be a cool just experience though to be like oh i found a fossil that nobody has ever seen before like and that just goes to show you there's so much we don't know about this planet and things that have lived on this planet or what is going on with this planet and we're just you know walking around all nonchalantly like everything's okay everything's normal we're all safe everything's you know the same and it's like nah we're like literally in on a planet whirling through the midst of space all pure chaos and humans are the one that are like we got this it's all under control <laughs> you're not getting existential on me are you now oh i mean we can get existential i was gonna first like obviously because i know you're an amazing one of the amazing interns in surface devices this summer and i did want to give you a chance just to kind of talk about like i guess like how did you even get your microsoft internship because i know so many people always ask me like how did you get in you know so i'm curious like what was it for you 
getting like really like interviewing and all of that to get your internship this summer now for a message from our sponsors that's a lot a lot (laughs) on my plate um yes really the biggest takeaway i had from the internship well i guess to preface is that this is not my first tech internship so i had internships at other companies beforehand so I guess I have a different perspective from perhaps somebody who's going in completely blind or hasn't done it before. But um, I guess in a short way, it's not its not like Microsoft's internship process is unique, rather, compared to other tech companies. Like, they're fairly similar in that, you know, there's always that split of hard skills and soft skills, technical and public speaking. So... I guess in terms of like the material that they're looking for, it's not super different. So, I mean, obviously they want you to know how to code. They want you to know how to problem solve, but probably what was different was just the whole process of getting your foot in the first place, like on the radar for um, recruiters and the whole thing of, well, how do I get the first notice? Yeah. The um, whole recruiting system. So, I mean, in that respect, I did have some help where one of my friends had internet Microsoft before and he was able to give me some tips and how to get your first step in and who to contact as well. I can go into specifics later, but um, that was probably the biggest thing that was different is that, yeah, every company has a different way of putting your first step into the door. But once you're past that first step, it's not like they are using different technology than other companies. They may be creating different technologies, but you know, everybody uses programming languages. Everybody uses yeah. There's you know, like a foundation. Front end engineers and back yeah, exactly. engineers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. I guess like because you are one of the few that are probably ever like because I don't know whenever Microsoft's ever going to have like remote internships again. Like, I assume obviously once campus is open, they'll bring the interns back. But I guess like how has it been? having had like a normal internship before but now having like a remote internship where you're not actually here in Washington but you're still in Maryland but also still a part of Microsoft's community I'm gonna answer your question and also not answer it because I'm gonna (laughs) broaden it out to like remote life in general if that's okay with you no that's all good um I don't know about you but at least for me when the first weeks of the pandemic happened and everything went remote, because this was when I was still finishing up my spring semester, I wasn't working yet at Microsoft. It felt very weird to me because, okay, I'm, I mean, I'm sort of outing myself here, but I'm not the best student when it comes to attendance in class. So <laughs> even beforehand, like I was, you know, the some professors and almost all my professors, in fact, did pre-recorded lectures. So. Mm. It wasn't on a Zoom where it was live, rather. They had recorded what was done in person, and then you can view it on this website called Panapto, which is what my university uses. So essentially, you were watching Khan Academy for all intents and purposes. So going from that, because I was a terrible student in terms of attendance, and then going to Zoom was not a huge transition in terms of how the material was done. Yeah. Rather, it was that I was at home now instead of on an, an apartment near campus. 
Yeah. So it's weird. It's like it's not so much the work slash classes that has changed for me in this past year. It's just that the physical part, mm, not so much like the classes, but like the, yeah, where you are and everything. So I don't know. It's weird. It's like it's like nice to be back with friends and family, but at the same time, yeah, you know, I'm sure. I guess this is like I said, more general life and remote. It's a bit weird how it feels like things have sort of blurred in terms of dates and years. Like if you would ask me, what did you do this past year? I would, I would have to think a lot harder than to like yeah. what I did in 2019 or 2018. Cause I remember like 2019, probably the biggest highlight for me was I was in California doing all this cool West coast stuff. 2020, yeah. honestly, like between March of 2020 and like November of 2020, it was a complete blur to me. I don't know about you. <laughs> For me, I definitely like so it was my senior year when everything went remote. So I and I was the opposite. I go to class every time. Oh, okay. Like I'm I actually go to lecture. Yeah, I'm one of those people that actually goes to lecture. Um, but and so the reason why I did it is because I know myself and it's like it's not like I had an issue doing remote learning because in my my senior year, well senior junior year of high school I did a lot of like APs online so I had gotten used to like having to be self-disciplined enough to do my work even though I wasn't in class but when we moved remote I will say like I pretty much went from attending every lecture to like watching like none like none of them like I would literally just sleep through when I would be in class and be like well my teacher just uploaded the video anyway I'm just gonna go watch it later when I need it or when I need to do my homework so I definitely will say it wasn't the best in terms of like because when I go to class I the reason I go to lecture is so that I'm forced to have to sit there and listen and learn in the moment um, because I don't necessarily trust myself to do it later and then yeah when I was at home it was so comfortable being at home but I didn't really like it just because like my senior year, I felt like because you have to do senior design and all of that. And I didn't really get to do it the way that years past had. I didn't really get to build something as like my final project. It was all theory, which is cool. And it probably was easier to get an A that way. But it's just like not the same. But I will say like my summer of 2020, I pretty much spent in the like northern Michigan just camping and being in nature, which was fantastic because I literally had nothing to do. Like I was just hoping Microsoft would call me and be like, hey, yes, we still have a job for you because I don't know if like all if you if it was the same for students at your university, but I had a lot of friends who like their internships were getting canceled, like people that worked for airlines, obviously, like that was a major blow to that industry. And so they canceled like all of their internships for like all of their students and didn't even say like, they were just like, oh, yeah, um, we're not having our internship class. Good luck. Um, which for a lot of people, like when when you work in the summer to make money to pay for like your rent throughout the year, that can be kind of a blow um, to your like economic stability. So that definitely sucked for some of my peers. But I was fortunate that Microsoft was like, yeah, we still want you. What you mean? Of course. And yeah, I moved out here and everything was sweet and they made it easy peasy. So wasn't too, too crazy. Yeah. At least for me. I think it kind of mirrors a lot what happened to a lot of my friends where some of them had jobs that were still lined up uh, for those that were graduating, but for others who still had like another year left, um, like me, and or they had perhaps two years left for um, younger friends. It was definitely a case of like, there was such a wide spectrum. It all, because it all depended on what company and what industry, exactly. what majors they were in. So like every, it was just, yeah, I guess chaos is the best way to put it. 
Yeah. And just the fact that so many of my friends, you know, they're working full time now. Uh, some of them are going to grad school instead. Some of them are still looking for jobs, to be frank. And so it's weird because, you know, if you had asked me like in 2019, like even in like Christmas 2019, if you had asked me, well, what's going to be going on with you and your friends? You know, I would have had like a pretty box standard clear answer. plan yeah exactly yeah, clear plans and then like you know march rolls around you know and they're like psych begin. take your plans and, and it's like just weird for roll them out the window because, it's like weird for college students because we you know for us to have still more years left and more classes left it's like okay i mean the first semester right you go online you know nobody thought that the pandemic would be soon um over enough to salvage that semester but like you know this is the you think the next one you're like yeah the next next year it's like are we online are we in person do i need to rent an apartment because i need to be on campus nearby yeah exactly how does the job fair look because you know you know yeah you need and everything so yeah exactly it's kind of weird because you know some people have taken advantage of it where it's like um, what's that line from Game of Thrones? Chaos breeds opportunity, or something like that. It's like <laughs> some people are realizing, hey, you know, uh, you know, people, you know, they use LinkedIn or whatever. They find alternative ways of finding jobs. But then for others, it's like if they have student loans or you know somebody's been affected by COVID in their family, it's like you know, it's it rough, puts yeah. a shadow over their uh, mindset. So I mean, it's weird because. I feel like at the same time, it's become the norm. Like COVID and life under COVID has become a norm. But at the same time, we're, just, we're used to it now. Like, yeah, it's we're not used to like it a now. new scary thing. It's, like it's how kind of like fast we got been used to it here. as well. I mean, humans adapt. But like, you know, it's only been, what, 15, 16 months? Yeah, COVID's like the whole COVID lifestyle has only been around for 16, 15 months. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what new normal is especially for college students i know at least for me i am waiting to get out of my family's home i love my family and all but <laughs> if you spend all Too day every time. day with your parents you're like okay um you guys are annoying I, me i, I kind of i had I freedom yeah like you can't tell me what to do anymore do you understand uh, i am an adult now please stop telling me what to do but feed me though feed me please because yes. nobody wants yeah. to do that plus like wait was it 2020 summer when the like it was like the big cicada or i'm forgetting time too or was it was this summer right the, this yeah, summer it was this summer okay yeah so i'm definitely off with my time at least it, you know the cicadas waited a year before they went through they didn't do it while covid had they at least like waited a year and they were like okay now we will wreak havoc on the city of maryland and just chirp chirp and shed everywhere yeah, I mean, it it was over quick. I mean, like I, uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, six, seven weeks was probably the max of their uh, time on Earth. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's just, there's a lot of them. And I know at least this happens in like most of the mid-Atlantic states. Ohio, I think apparently has seen it happen a lot more because it's gotten warmer there. But I mean, yeah, I just yeah, saw a just, documentary about them and they're just a lot, a lot, a lot. It's like, but it's kind of weird. It's like, I, I think about it, right? We don't really have any pest outbreaks in America. I mean, we did have, we did have a, what was it? Stink bugs, but that was like. Those are annoying. Yeah. Those are very annoying. Well, it's like when you see those videos of like, you know, Southeast Asia or like, you know, 
sub-Saharan Africa where it's like yeah. giant clouds Swarms. of like grasshoppers and locusts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that are just reeking through farmland and just like eating all of their crops and just like you can't really do much about it because their populations just they breed like crazy. I feel like there's slowly been a bunny explosion too in America. I don't know if you see a lot of bunnies over on your neck of the woods, but I definitely felt like in Michigan, and I have seen them around Washington, there are tons of bunnies everywhere. That is definitely true. I mean, there's always been a lot of bunnies. There's always been a lot of deer, bunny, like everything deer, in between, for sure. Because we don't have wolves or... We do have well, bears, like... but they're way out west. Like, closer yeah. to like West Virginia slash, like, Ohio area. Mm. Probably the biggest thing we have here... I don't even know... If, Maryland has coyotes anymore. That might be I think big. coyotes are all over America. I heard like they have spread um, compared to like most other predators. They're like everywhere now because they, yeah, they just scavenge and find food everywhere. We do have a lot of foxes. And so foxes are pretty common in Maryland because that's like, I guess, smaller wolves and coyotes. So they can survive easier. But actually, no, yeah, we do have coyotes. There was, there have been reports of coyotes, but. Yeah, like the eastern gray wolf is pretty much gone for most of America. And it's like, it's like, it, weren't they released in like Yellowstone a couple of years ago? So they're still yeah. there, but. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, the only place that I know of where there are wolves just roaming is like in the, in the parks pretty much. But I know like you're a huge outdoors fan. And I guess like where, where did your love for the outdoors come from? Or have you like always just been in love with nature and like hiking and doing crazy shiz out in the wilderness? I think it was kind of weirdly enough. Well, okay, I guess to give what I was like as a child, when I was like in elementary school, you know, my family would go camping, you know, the usual picnics with other families. And I found that fun in that I got to meet, you know, uh, my family friends and their kids. And we all, you know, we play like soccer or like kickball and like, you know, have a barbecue afterwards. Like that was fun. When it came to camping, I enjoyed it, but it's not like I enjoyed the outdoors necessarily. I enjoyed like the swimming pool or the lake or like having ice cream on the beach at your local state park. So it wasn't necessarily much the like beauty of the outdoors. Mm. I was like six or seven. I don't think I even understood that back then. (laughs) But I think it was like my second year of college, yeah, maybe towards my first year of college, where I really started liking the outdoors for like the sense of like just being outside. Probably because weirdly enough, it was through poetry. Because um, you know the humanities class I was talking about earlier, you, when we started reading about nineteenth-century romanticism, you know, think like you know Thoreau, think like. Uh, Keats and Byron and Shelley, the uh, English poet, you know, they would write about the beauty of nature. And I thought, oh, I mean, the words are nice. I I probably enjoyed the poetry for the poetry, but not like (laughs) for the outdoors. But then when I was in my first year of college, right before, I took like a summer trip because I finished high school and everything. I went to Yosemite and I was just awestruck by Yosemite. And I just realized afterwards, huh. I wonder if there's any poems about Yosemite because a lot of the poems that we've read about in high school were like European poets and like yeah. I've never been to Europe so I didn't see what they were writing about. And yeah, America has some amazing poems about Yosemite and I thought, wow, that's like really struck. Like um, there is, I think there was a section of the Yosemite Falls trailhead 
where you're going up and you see the stains of like water erosion on the wall of the granite cliffs and it looks mm. like somebody had like taken you know different shades of brown and amber red and painted the cliffs and there was a poem describing it as as if it was a cathedral of rocks painted by a stonemason and i thought wow like they accurately it looks like somebody took a giant paintbrush and painted the side of this mountain and so yeah afterwards i got into like hiking and all and yeah it was from that it was just whenever i get the chance i try to like go outside on like a big backpacking hike probably because there's like a bit of wonder behind it and also you know there's more than just beyond what's near sort of the touristy parts like yeah Yosemite Valley is amazing you know what they offer in terms of what's near a parking lot it's great that the National Park Service has built and engineered the flow of roads so that you can see the most amazing sites but there's even more you go into the trail like how many of the national parks have you been to seven I believe so I've been to Yosemite I've been to Bryce I've been to Arches uh i have been to sequoia those are all like west coast-ish utah not really west coast i guess but there's those and then on the east coast i have been to shenandoah i've been to the smokies and what are, which one am i missing i know it's seven but there's one i'm missing i don't know why i'm missing it it'll come to you It'll come to me. It'll come to me. <laughs> but yeah, it's even like the idea that America is so very huge. In its it is yeah, it's like gigantic. It's the size of Europe plus uh, Russia west of the Urals, like roughly. Yeah, and it's just... huge. Like one country, and you like uh, the way that America has states is pretty much how Europe has countries. Is yeah. it's just insane, you know? And for me, it's interesting, like being not an American and coming to America, because people always think I'm American, like because I don't have much of. I have like the least Caribbean accent of anyone from the Caribbean. Like it's so bad. Like I'm literally just like I'm low key mad at my mom for taking me out of public school where I lost my Caribbean accent, but I can't blame her because she just wanted me to sound, you know, competent. So I, I appreciate her for that. But I definitely like like just seeing like all the different types of Americans. Like it's so I think it's very messed up when people just generalize America. Or at least like I feel like in the rest of the world, people just look at America as this crazy place when there are so many different types of Americans, completely different types of accents, ideologies, just like experiences, you know, even just across race, across economic status, across religion, across just there's so much that like to me, what's great about America is that there is all of that. And yet we can there can be a place where you can do all of that and use all of that awesomeness to your best, you know, like having amazing food trucks across some embassies that just taste amazing. Like that's the best of diversity. I don't know. Yeah, it's really amazing and like even on the trail when i'm hiking it's like you kind of do see a microcosm not just of america but of the world so yeah um, to explain a lot of like the long-term trails especially on the west coast they have like these huts they have which is basically a stone building with three walls mm. the fourth wall is missing so you can just easily enter and exit and they usually have like like uh what is it a giant rectangular wooden platform which you can put your sleeping bags on and sleep inside the hut overnight so the idea is to protect you from like wind chill or rain and sometimes they'll have a... <laughs> sadly no and sometimes <laughs> they'll have uh a... we can talk about bears later 
but sometimes <laughs> they'll have like a stone fireplace built into one of the walls. And like, yeah, when you're out hiking, you meet people all over from America, especially if you go near some of the national parks like Yosemite, like Yellowstone. I remember, um, and this was uh, more on the East Coast, actually. I remember stopping by um, Bird's Nest Number 2 inside Shenandoah. And I think that night, uh, this was in 2019, yeah, uh, there was a guy from Italy who had hiked the Dolomites, and so he decided to come to America and hike the AC, uh, the AT, the Appalachian Trail. There was an old retired couple from South Carolina, and they were just outdoors enjoying their retirement. And then there was a nurse from New Hampshire who had taken time off to do the hike. And then there was uh, these two guys from Germany who were like the um, like the guy from Italy coming to America to try out hiking. And so yeah, it's like I will probably never meet them ever again. But you know those people who I met that night, we um, talked, caught up, and just told them, told each other where we were in life. You know, I was going through college. I was taking some time off because I needed to de-stress that weekend. So I went down to Shenandoah to do some hiking. And yeah, it's just amazing. You know, people will share food. People will share whatever trail mix they have. People will share stories. And a lot of these huts also have like, inside a Ziploc bag kept next to the fireplace, they'll have like a pencil and like this, 80 page notebook paper and it's basically you'll log in what time and day you were there what your name was and maybe a sense or two of what you're doing you know maybe it's what trail are you on why are you doing this trail what stage are you at in your life and you read that notebook and then it goes back four or five years um and you just see everybody who has stopped by at that specific hut in history and so it's and like a, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing that yeah you know, it is like beautiful. Those small things on the trail that I really like to go back into and see and like, yeah, if you're ever in uh, Shenandoah for the viewers, if you go to Bird's Nest number two and that notebook is still there, you're going to find my entries there under my name. So <laughs> You can uh, reflect on young Christopher and see what he was going through when he was first there. Because, yeah, I definitely think that's awesome. That's so awesome. And I, I do think like the National Park do such a great job of building facilities that are really robust for being there for so long. Like, it's insane how well they're maintained, you know, just for what they are, just little shacks in the woods, just to sleep. Yeah. I mean, they've done a phenomenal job. I mean, it's great that national parks are, I think, 2020 even. Well, 2020 was a lower year because of lockdown and everything. But 2019 yeah. to 2018, all the way back to 2012, like every single year, the national parks have hit like record attendance. So it's amazing that people are getting ever more interested in the outdoors and in the national parks you know it's a space for everybody but yeah nature is important like i think it's good for the soul it's good for your mental health like that's why i love living over here is because like I'm, I'm sure you've seen just being on the west coast like how luscious these forests can be just how beautiful they can be and i mean i'm still trying to see a bear i have not seen a bear i keep seeing other people seeing bears other people having bears come in their backyard i'm like where is the bear at if they're so if they everywhere why can't i see one i'm sure you'll see one you have to see one sometime soon i don't but... know i've been seeing too many dare that i just i'm like i've seen one i've seen them all let me see a bear in the well but you know watch me say this and then i'll be in the forest one day and i'll see the bear and i'll probably pee myself i don't know like i'm just not trying to get mauled you know i just want to see it from afar 
and be like, oh, look, that's a bear all the way over there. I mean, bears are intelligent creatures and actually most of them are pretty shy. Like they're very shy creatures as well. I know at least in, um, so here's a funny story for the viewers. So uh, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's fully required in all national parks in the U.S., but um, it's recommended at least at all the parks where you would bring some container to put your food in, right? Cause you don't want bears or not even just bears, like raccoons or other wild animals getting in your food while you're sleeping yep. at night. And so for a long time, you had two options. One was a bear bag as we call it, or a bear box. Mm. So the bear bag essentially is the idea is that you would take this bag, put your food in it, tie the top of it with a rope and then throw the rope over a branch. And then the bear bag would hang on one side and then you would take the other side wrap it around say like a metal stake and then put the stake into the ground so the idea being that you throw it over a branch that's strong enough to hold the weight of the bag but if any animal went on that branch the branch would be weak enough where it would fall to dissuade any animals from trying to climb up and get the food and then you would also keep it above ground high enough where no animal can jump up and get it well it turns out that at a lot of national parks bears have gotten to the point where they know they can just cut the rope of course they know. They're like, wait, I have long, sharp claws. Let me just cut this. Yeah. yeah. And so at like Yosemite, I think Yellowstone as well. I don't know if all national parks require it now, but I personally just use a bear box. So they've moved to more bear boxes. Bear box is a bit of a misleading term. It's better to call it a bear container. It's like mm. these cylindrical containers. Basically think giant peanut butter jars. Made out okay. of reinforced plastic where you would just then put your stuff in it and then you screw it. And some of them have like those coin slips where you just rotate it with a coin to put a lock in. But a lot of them have like basically the grooves on the side or the lid. Well, it turns out that um, – and nobody's confirmed this live because it's hard to catch a bear in the act doing this. But there have been reports at like Yosemite and other mountainous parks where they find these bear boxes at the bottom of a valley thrown – and they've been cracked open because you throw them over a cliff, they crack when they hit the ground. And it's been suspected, and because the food has been rifled and eaten through, it's been suspected that bears have gotten to the point where they'll take the box They're evolving. and throw it over the cliff. And it's like, what's next? What, how, how, what's the next thing? If it becomes commonplace enough, what are we going to do after bear boxes? How do we keep the food safe? <laughs> I must say, I applaud the bears for being so intelligent. And it just goes to show you, like, I feel like humans are so cocky when they're like, we run this planet. This is our planet. You must do what the humans say. And then you have bears that are learning how to open bear boxes. <laughs> Look, this is hilarious. It's just like, obviously, we're not the only ones that are smart out here. Like, yes, we can build cool things that fly in the sky and sail in the water and compute and send magical bits of ones and zeros through the air so that like you and I can talk but obviously like animals are intelligent and they like if you just look at an animal you can clearly see that they're thinking or like they're planning or they notice you like it's not like we're just there and they're like oh a human like they clearly I feel like notice your presence or have noticed our presence seeing that we've been here for couple centuries and they're clearly like evolving to us being you know as annoying as we are as a species like they're like foxes and coyotes are getting more comfortable like just being around us and trifling through trash raccoons clearly love human garbage and like you said bears are just getting smarter and smarter yeah 
I do wonder one day, you know, like those sci-fi shows where it's like they have like those anthropomorphic like dogs or like uh, like Planet of the Apes sort of situation. You know, who knows? I mean, I, I think it's 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 definitely it's definitely amazing. Like there's YouTube videos of like you know chimpanzees solving puzzles and like octopuses opening jars and like you know rats also like figuring out pattern matching. Mazes, it's amazing yeah. what's out there. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I don't know. I feel like whatever's going to take humans out is probably going to be of our own making. I, I feel like we're going to probably be the ones to just do some dumb shit and it'd be our own fault why we ruined it for ourselves. Like, like the, I feel like the dolphins are conquering the sea, but they just don't mess with us. Like, they're just there living their life. Like, like I feel like you rarely ever see, like, dolphins... Like, they know, you know, like, they know how to avoid us. They know how to hunt. They play games. Like, they have whole strategies. They have whole languages that they communicate with. And we just can't interpret it. So we just think they're dumb as rocks just because they don't speak English. Like, Kind of makes me wonder. Like, this is like the, What I are mean, they talking about? All living animals, but, like, in terms of extinct animals, is there, like, any True. animal you wish you could see that's extinct now? Hmm. I would love to be able to see, hmm, this is a good question. Because it's like, of course I want to see a T-Rex just for, you know, the Jurassic, the Jurassic Park and, you know, fan in me. I would love to see a T-Rex. But at the same time, I'm like, obviously that's not a good idea. It'd be cool to see like a Megalodon, you know, those huge sharks that are like bigger than great whites, like gigantic. Like I can't imagine being alive when a Megalodon roamed the ocean. I would be too afraid to step my pinky toe in the ocean if a Megalodon was in there for sure. But then I'm also like, I think it'd be cool to see like even the human species that like are now extinct like i would love to be able to meet a homo neanderthal or like have met lucy you know what i mean or like seeing like we're on the exact what, same page with that what what like what were these people like because like i mean as much as like it sometimes it's i'm just like i look at humans and i'm like we're so weird like we are so weird like we don't fit in in anything like we look like no other animal like we we're are one of the so hairless primates. weird like i'm yep. like how are like and there's so many of us and like anytime i recently went to um a baseball game here in in seattle at t-mobile park and i was just looking at all the different humans just in the stadium and i'm like we are the only species that build stadiums just to watch other humans play games for our own entertainment. Like, that's just weird. I'm like, maybe we are aliens, you know, or like, I know there's this like hypothesis of like apes that took shrooms and then they evolved into humans or like aliens came to earth and they mated with the, the apes and then it created humans or like aliens came to earth and they like brainwashed the apes or like did some scientific probing and then generated a new species that is humans and like that's why we're so smart or something I have no clue but I'm just like humans are weird man like we are so weird i don't know it blows my mind every day i'm like humans are weird and there's we're like the only ones of our kind like i would love to that's what makes me more sense i'm like can i see other forms of us just like other versions other iterations other prototypes of the human species like i need to see something like it's just i mean that's what i think history is all about you know we try to figure out the past and try to piece together a puzzle 
I don't know if I would necessarily go all the way back to like Neanderthals and like, you know, Homo erectus and all that. I think even more for that, if this is sort of a bit of history as well, just like one thing that always fascinated me was just languages as well. Like yeah. The, pro- the proliferation of languages. Cause like, um, I think there's like a hypothesis out, um, called the Proto-Indo-European Hypothesis. And it's a hypothesis that has some controversy with it. It's not entirely um, provable, I mean, for obvious reasons, because it's the language no longer spoken. Um, But it's just amazing to me, like the idea that, you know, languages and, you know, people migrate, people move. And I mean, even today, like, you know, we have modern day slang, which like, you know, if you ask my grandparents, they would not know what these words mean. Like I think, I mean, what was the most popular new word in 2020? I'm trying to think. Uh... There's a lot of new words that I learned since from coming to America, but I don't know. Like, what's the most popular? Like, I say bet now, which is I never used to understand. Like, why people would say bet as like okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, actually, I can't remember what was probably the word of 2020. I'm sure Webster Dictionary probably has, like, their, uh, like, uh, congratulatory, hey, word of 2020 right over here. But the word of 2020 is. is pandemic. I just looked it up. <laughs> That's sad. That's just sad, honestly. <laughs> okay, let's look, let's look at 2019. Let's look at 2019. The word of 2019. It says they. That's oh, it? because of gender identity. Wow. Okay, let's try twenty. Let's try twenty nineteen meme word. How about that meme word? Let's see if we get something different here. Sus. Okay, I'll take that. Oh, I like that. I like sus. Yeah. I like sus. I like that word because everything's sus. Everything's sus. There's also stonks. I mean, that was a big thing with GameStop and everything. Yep, that's another word. Stonks. Yeah, stonks. I could see that. I could see that rocket shipping to the moon. You know. Yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah, a lot of words we come up with, and I'm wholeheartedly behind this, is like memes as well. It's like, it's amazing how many good memes there have been. There are. This past year. I will say the internet is undefeated. Like people are just so mean that it's so funny. Like I can't, like I, that's why I love the internet as much as it's also like a place of trash. It's also just like, also brings and showcases the hilariousness of humans. Like our ability to take a concept and turn it into a joke like images that we can all relate to like facial expressions and just like hilarious hilarious yeah, it's, it's it's kind of it's amazing how like i mean let's like you know like the number 69 right had like a very you know lewd and like you know very risque origin but like it's just amazing how whenever somebody says 69 people are like nice it's like it's just so <laughs> ubiquitous now it's like it's like language almost and like you know uh with like sus with among us and everything that's gotten like so Among us is fun imposters yeah. yeah i feel it's only gonna get better though i feel because like just the imagination but like also like the fact that we're a collective like we live in such a large civilization where we can all agree like sus like we all say sus you know and like having these like trends like it's interesting i feel like how do words become a part of pop culture and why do certain words become a part of pop culture? And does it have to do with what's going on in the times and just like, what's, 
what technology is doing at the time because it all like influences each other in such like a weird but yet organic way there's even like the memes or trends that are kind of not so much like been erased but kind of been forgotten like i'm trying to think of what like do you remember when als the ice bucket challenge was the, mm. a big thing and it's I like do. it's not so much like it's not, it's not by all means a race but it's like it's obviously not as prevalent as it yeah. was or like the it's planking challenge like people used to plank I everywhere totally miss that not gonna lie i never i never did it but like people would do it <laughs> like i only knew about it after it died off i was like that was a thing i don't remember seeing that anywhere when it was supposedly was a thing yeah i feel you i think it's like it's interesting but i feel like a lot of like what goes into pop culture is heavily influenced by like what happens here in the states like people don't want to agree with it but it's like where did all of these things come from it's like a pretty much american craziness are there any like non-european non-us uh, memes that i would know or that you would know Maybe, but it's just like when I you really I don't think so. Like I feel like every like a, that's one thing that I think makes America so great is like when it comes to the global culture, I do think it's heavily influenced by the United States, hands down. Like the rest of the world, like pretty much follows in America's direction. Like whatever we build, you know, in the tech sector influences, you know, what goes out into the world. But even though, even saying that though. A lot of that is still influenced by what work is done by other companies in other parts of the world. So I don't sorry, know. I think we all influence to, each other. I'm still hung up on trying to figure out if I know like a non-American meme. I don't I'm think I do. Hard. I mean, unless it's like I know like slang from the islands. But again, it's not like to the point that because it's from a place that's so small, it's not like prevalent in the pop culture. So it's like even though I might be aware of it like other folk wouldn't be aware of it, which makes it less fun if you are the only one saying a word that nobody else yeah. gets the relevance I, of. I try, I cannot think of any. So yeah, I guess that is a testament to how good the, uh, how forethought the American meme machine is. <laughs> it's good. Like whoever is churning them out, please continue staying funny because I need the laughter in my life. Like it's yeah. so hilarious. Watch it. And then, like, even just, like, on Instagram, like, there's literally accounts that are famous and verified for just being meme pages. Like, celebrities follow them and everything because they're just hilarious. Hilarious. I think one day when I finally get to the point where, like, I don't know if this will ever happen, but I do wonder, like, if will there ever be a day where I get to a point where I'm too old to think, like, I don't get this meme. <laughs> Or like i'm these, scared these, of that day yeah it's like i'm just like i, I don't want to be old i do remember the do you remember the it's a pigeon me or is this a pigeon me no like i actually with don't recall with his hand out and it's like a butterfly but he's asking is this a pigeon i do not recall said meme no i remember seeing that meme for the first time and i remember should i know about this meme is it is this like is this is, is this a trend like is this like am, am i behind the times <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. There's that is my fear of like, I mean, and that's the thing. I don't even use TikTok because I'm just like, I hate social media already as it is. And I'm like, well, if I open TikTok, is that just going to open another floodgate of just me scrolling through my phone for hours on end? But at the same time, I'm also like, I don't want to be that person that's so like my cup is full yeah. that it's like, yeah, you aren't able to adapt and understand like new ideas. 
it's it, i think it's i think we're still fine for a while because i think it's getting to the point where now <laughs> we're fine for a while <laughs> well it's interesting because like i don't know if you noticed this but like like the recycling of memes is now becoming a meme in and of itself like old memes i haven't seen like um let me think like scumbag steve or like unlucky brian like i've seen those being more rotated around on reddit of all places and it's like are we now getting so meta that we're recycling memes that were about meta it's like oh boy it's like it's i mean like even in music people recycle like old tracks they sample old music and i'm just like can you not ruin a good thing why are you ruining a good thing it was good in the original now you're just making it something it doesn't need to be but I don't know. Even movies, they just be coming out with the same thing, just real this time. And I'm just like, Disney, get it together. Okay, y'all need to hire some new folk, get some some writers that are, I don't know, from the Caribbean, mix it up, do something. Just, But I feel like it also just goes to show you how quickly humans get bored by things. As much as like, yeah, we also are always making things, like we get bored by things so quickly. Like I'm bored by Netflix already. It's sad. Yeah, I think the next frontier for that actually is um, Twitch streaming or just streaming in general, because it's kind of it's kind of amazing how you know it's kind. Of, I think for me at least, like when I watch Twitch streams, it's 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 a combination of watching a show, which is what Netflix or even like traditional cable TV is about, but also like watching a YouTube video slash like celebrity interview because you know Twitch chat can ask questions about who's ever i mean i mean think about the largest twitch personalities out there, like pokimane and like you know ludwig and like ninja like it's 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 definitely a new broad category and like also like there's so much on twitch as well you can watch like cooking videos you can watch i'd be surprised if gordon ramsay has a honestly if gordon ramsay had a twitch where he was just yelling insults at people i would probably watch that not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> That would be funny where he's just roasting regular cooks. Like, you're just like, make your favorite grilled cheese sandwich. And he's just like, bro, you use craft? Seriously? <laughs> what do you think this is? Garbage. Throw it away. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Twitch is, I mean, I think like in terms of big social media platforms I use, like Reddit, Twitch, Instagram. I don't use Facebook as much as I used to. I use Facebook mostly for Messenger and WhatsApp, but I think Twitch is probably what I've been consuming the most in pandemic, like compared to like previous years. Yeah, I don't really watch stuff on Twitch. I've been definitely into the podcast. I like watch a lot of YouTube, you know. Um, well, I think podcasts and Twitch kind of serve a similar purpose because for podcasts, like it's very much. And what we're doing right now, like we're asking questions, we're talking about things. And Twitch, you can kind of do a similar thing. I mean, mm. you have to kind of, I guess for a lot of the big Twitch streamers, you have to donate a lot of money <laughs> to get your question asked and like read by the, by the street set streamer. But um, it's like that interactiveness of like, hey, it's not like a TV show where it's scripted. Yeah. Is Twitch streaming all live? So like when you do ask a question, it is like in that moment, not like, after they film something and then you can like make comments and then they would like get back to you in like a more youtube channel fashion i think for, that's probably what people think of when they say twitch streaming but i know for at least me some of the smaller channels i follow it's like you can send them a question on their email regular old email and then like they'll do like a q a stream where they like 
at, you know, in live, go through their email and say, hey, question mm. from blah, blah, blah. And like, I see, I see. And like along the way, Twitch chat can say, hey, kind of branching off that question, can we ask you this? And it's like, it's just amazing how we've gone totally to the part where it's like real time. Yeah. It's like real time yeah. entertainment. Yeah. I could just see it getting more and more and more immersive to the point where like we live in a matrix within a matrix. I do wonder the day when VR gets good enough where it's like, uh, I, I this is a very common trope in like anime and manga and even the like comic <laughs> books, right? It's like this VR game where it's so real life that the character, you, you know, forget, yeah, you forget who you are. It's like that's like a common sci-fi trope. I wonder if like we'll ever get there, or even like if we, even if we just get to a game where it's like good enough where it's like people start living in the game or like talking about it at work or even or like you know in real life because like. I don't know about you, but I don't know that many VR games that have gotten super immersive yet. Where it's like, I think they will get there. I think there's a lot of hurdles with VR that like consumers don't see about like one, like making sure that you have internet connectivity that can stream. You know, making sure that the graphics are good enough that when you're that you cannot distinguish as a user what's real and fake. Like I think our brain does a really good job. Well, then again. Is this world real? I don't know. So like, is it doing a good job? I don't know. But, you know, it gets to a point where you can convince your brain that something is real. That is something that I think like we haven't gotten there yet. But I wouldn't be surprised. You know, these EEs and us CS and CEs are hard workers. If if there's anyone to get it done, it's the engineers. And you know, you know, they're going to do it. Let's be real. <laughs> like, you know, it's coming. I don't know yet if it will come. Like I think I have it's it's um a thing in I I I just like when I'm gaming if I if you know I don't game as much as I used to just because of time. But you know, back when I was in high school and I don't know if you gamed as much as I did, but you know, League of Legends was big, anyone else was big, Overwatch was big, like all these giant MMO games and there is something to be said about like that social aspect that I love about MMOs. Yeah. But like when they say people say like, oh, MMOs are amazing. I'm like, okay, yeah, when you're playing with friends. But if you're playing in random lobbies, it's frustrating because <laughs> you're playing with random strangers and there's no strategy involved. So it's like yeah. it, at that point the game becomes a chore. But even in like, you know, gaming culture, it's like in Asia at least, like, you know, they have gaming cafes they have yeah exactly like, where people don't leave like they yeah. stay there on days on end peeing in bottles just playing playing just playing, get, playing you know just to get their efficiency up 0.1 percent which i'm like okay what about you know going to the gym and building your muscle mass 0.1 percent but you know i think like it depends on the person like i think there are people that don't want to leave their house like they genuinely are maybe introverted maybe they are autistic and gaming gives them an opportunity to just engage with the world um and feel good about themselves i mean yeah think about how esports have blown up it feels weird. Like I feel young enough where it's like, oh, like, yeah, I'm totally behind esports. But I feel old enough where I can remember a time when esports wasn't a thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like the characters just get better and better. So it's like, when are, when are we gonna get to a point where your esport LeBron James is better than LeBron James, or like is indistinguishable from LeBron James, or like they have enough material to feed an AI so that it talks like LeBron James? It behaves like lebron james it does things similar but it's all an ai character it's not real it's a game character you know yeah i mean even in ai right like 
uh, what was it? I think it was 2018 when Google had that bot that beat like the South Korean Go champion. Can't remember it. Can't remember yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, exactly. You know, Deep Blue beat Gary Kasparov back in the 90s. And like now, nowadays, they have like bots now. I don't know what companies do, but some of the AI companies now have bots that can beat League of Legends champions. And all they do is that they feed the bot video play of what that champion player has done so that the bot can learn to play against that champion specifically. And it's like, yeah, I mean, clearly bots have gotten so good that they can beat human players. And I guess like for physical sports, you know, you have the mechanical constraints, but you know, you need a robot that can push a basketball that far. But Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Black Mirror scares me. So, you know, I'm just like, oh, no, I see it. I see it coming. I see. It. I don't know. There's this is like one episode where it was like a VR, but it was like a horror game. And like the dude literally was in the game, or at least he thought he was in the game for months. But in real life, it had been like 10 seconds or whatever. Was and this, he died like he like killed himself episode? or something. Yeah. Like he ended up I don't know if he mm. died from like just mental just like it was just too mentally taxing or he like but pretty much it was just too intense like it was way 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 too intense that it was just too much but i've even like during my senior year i had a class that was like a vr class and one of the projects um that one of like the other students in the class was doing was like a video game a horror video game that was using like your neural feedback to um and like make the game harder so like if you were getting stressed in the game that would stimulate a response in the game where the game would know like oh the player is stressed make it scarier or like attract the predator of the game i feel like if you're i feel like if that ever became a thing it would be this case that oh the player should know like the player obviously should know what they're signing up for if they're gonna i agree no, but there there is technology like that where you can use like neural feedback. I don't know how far it is, but it's definitely like the technology exists. I just don't think it's been like fully incorporated into video gaming yet. But yeah, for me, my concern was like, when do you get to a point where, you know, it's too much for the person and they can't like stop their own stress response? Um, and then the game gets to a point where yeah, like yeah, they have a stroke because they're too scared now. I mean, yeah, like you said, I think that yeah, that is a Black Mirror episode. It's I don't know the answer to that honestly. We're getting on the deep end <laughs> there, but um, it's I feel like that we're sort of on. We're we're not we're definitely not there yet, but it's definitely a real possibility that you know within our lifetimes, we may have people who live more virtually than reality. Which I is weird. believe that. Yeah. It's like crazy. Like it's to think. so weird to think that you would rather live in a fake world than live in the real world. But then again, like, what makes this world real? I mean, it kind of blows my mind that like your normal graphing calculator has more raw computing power than the computers that took Apollo mission to the moon. Exactly. That's insane. And that's like what, sixty nine, so nineteen sixty nine to twenty fifth to twenty twenty one, that's 42 years no 52 years still alive so 50 years basically yeah it's like what's 50 years from now what's gonna 
be available for humanity to use. I mean, Elon's building that Neuralink, you know what I mean? Where like you can literally like put in chip a computer into your brain um, to do stuff. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, and like that's not like the only work that's being done with like deep brain stimulation and like, you know, bioprosthetics that use like your waves to like move your prosthetic arm and like just even the advancements i'm not sure if the company's called dynamics but like they build insane robots that like i don't know they like have these robot dogs that just are insane just straight up insane like i just it literally looks like the demon robot dogs from the black mirror episode that be hunting humans down like it is so crazy how alike it is I think Charlie Brooker got inspired by Boston Dynamics to make that episode because he saw the video. Oh, okay. So yeah, but like just seeing those robots is—it's just mind blowing. Like, what the hell? Like, humans are incredible, though. Like the fact that we're the ones building this stuff, though. I'm just like, how? That reminds me. Do you, did you ever see the episode where I think it's like um, I think the main character husband passes away. So she sends all of her uh, his text yep. messages and like videos to like Seen it. and they make an Android bot that looks like him and talks like him. Yes. I remember look, there was like a startup. I cannot remember the name of it. I tried to do the exact same thing. The idea was that you would give the startup all of your deceased family members like text messages and they would make a text bot, text bot that would and sound you could just like talk to them. Yeah. yeah, talk to it. And I just remember thinking. That's crazy. Either they saw the Black Mirror episode and they thought, okay, that's a great idea, actually, without unironically, and they decided to make a company, or they just have no social awareness on like social media because people started calling out them on social media, being like, this looks just like the Black Mirror episode. I'm telling you, Black Mirror is just predicting the future. Like, even the one that they did where it was like the. Like the social media app ranking thing where it's like if you curse oh, or if you were like, yeah. yeah, if you were like mean or aggressive, like someone could reduce your social score and that would impact your ability to like get housing, to board aircrafts, to do all sorts of things. Like they were saying China already has a system like that where it is like socially curating like a credit score of some kind that comes with perks and benefits. And I'm just like, mm, hella sus. It's. I, I don't think it's so much shocking. Rather, it's kind of logical. Like that's the next logical step. You're like, I just. It makes sense. And like it's supposed. Well, it to makes go sense that why way. they would do it. It, it makes sense yeah, why makes they sense. would do it. It's like I can get. I can understand that. I don't. I don't think I would sign up for it. But it's like, oh, I, I mean, I get why they're doing it. Yeah, but, I could see why. But that's the thing. It's like if you can justify it, like people will buy into that you know what i mean because they can justify it like i mean it's not just i mean just think about how much technology has pervaded our lives like i genuinely do not remember a time because i i don't remember a time when i didn't have a device connected to the internet i agree even when i was child i had like a computer in my house like a, a old computer, don't get me wrong, dial-up was not cute, but I was still able to access the internet exactly. Yeah, what did people do at work before computers were a thing? Go to libraries? I don't know. I feel like life was less stressful though because like you don't have all this information constantly bombarding you to make you feel like insecure. Yeah, what did architectures like what did architects use other like if they didn't have like you know 
CAD modeling systems. Like, did they they, they did everything by hand? That's just crazy to me. <laughs> yes, like like people used to draw maps by hand. Like electrical engineers and Emmys would draw their CADs by hand. I couldn't imagine having to do that Mm-mm. without could LT you, Spice. Could you imagine trying to build like a skyscraper without computers? I mean, they built the pyramids. Yeah. That's just crazy to me. Like, yeah, but like, it's just so much faster now with computers. <laughs> I feel you. And it's like, it's only going to get faster and faster because information is just everywhere all the time. I think what we're getting better at is processing and like, yeah, processing and analyzing and then making decisions based on lots and lots of information. And there are like, what, seven, maybe like eight billion humans on the planet. That's a lot of data points generated every single day um to tell us like where we're going and what we should be doing and what's not working and what is working but humans are weird man it's insane how we do all this stuff i do think though one thing i wish i didn't rely on technology so much on was like directions yes i don't know it, it's just i do remember i wouldn't when know I was... where to go it it is sometimes nice to open up a map and like problem solve your way out to figure out where you are and like realize oh i gotta take highway i-95 and go down you know exit 16 it's like okay or i could just use google maps and just have them tell me where to go (laughs) (laughs) but it's like i mean it's like one of those things where it's like okay how much do you like because obviously like you know there's argument of like humans are super smart like we have all this information on the internet but yeah we don't know anything about our surroundings anymore so like i couldn't walk out into the wilderness and be like is this berry safe to eat or will it kill me in like 0.5 seconds you know i feel bad for the first person who had to try out the berry and died from it and then i wonder who was the next witness person. yeah like like just imagine like the first person who ate a berry was like and like you know they either got really sick from it or they died and then who was like the person who was like hmm i wonder if i try that slightly different berry i wonder what happens then it's like yeah i don't know if that's how many humans died before we knew we could eat blueberries and raspberries and not you know poisonous stuff exactly exactly and just like thinking about like imagine. after the second person that got like sickly from that other different type of berry, thinking about the third person who was like, you know what, these two guys didn't make it, but I know I can make it. I'm gonna try this slightly different berry instead. But it's like even like, can you imagine being the first human to dis okay, okay, discovering land is a relative, you know, experience, but like could you imagine like being if you were Christopher Columbus, you know, a different Christopher, and you were just sailing across the gigantic ocean, which, mind you, half of your friends back home are telling you, Christopher, the planet is flat. You're just going to fall right off the edge. If you go that way, like, why are you doing that? And you go anyways, have no clue what's in store. It's not like you have, you know, DoorDash that can just bring you food on your ship. And then you find, like, these countries that no one on from where you're from has ever been there and they're super beautiful and have been like significantly untouched by man compared to you know how the world looks today what that must have been like to like can you imagine like stumbling on the caribbean by chance before it was like anything just islands like that's so beautiful like i I, jealous of that reason being is because like you know we kind of know what the world is like we have modern satellite 
imagery, right? We know what the world is. Like, even if we don't know, or I don't know, like, what's specifically this spot in, like, the Brazilian Amazon, like, what's at that spot, I know that, hey, the Brazilian Amazon is, like, north, south, east, west of this point. So it's like, I know this is part of the Brazilian Amazon. So it's not like there's, I mean, there's, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of specific stuff to discover because of, like, you know, satellite imagery and, like, you know, the modern world. We kind of know generally that, oh, Hey, South America is south of North America. Or hey, <laughs> if you keep going south, you're gonna hit Antarctica. It's like we we know what the general brushstrokes are. You know, there's no blank spot on a map. Yeah, I feel you. Now it's just to fill out the blank spots of the cosmos. Yeah, I mean, do you think there are aliens out there, Christopher? I mean, do you if you think look at the are... news, there's a you know there's a Jeff Bezos and um, Richard Branson are going to space now. So they already we went. They've been to space. They're gone. They've already, they went and they've come back. Okay. They've already done it. They've been to space. Would you take a space flight? So I've always wanted to be, like, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be an astronaut. Like, I was so fascinated by, like, um, the, the Apollo mission and then going to the moon and like the International Space Station like I was literally heartbroken when NASA said they weren't sending people into space anymore like I would like that literally was the reason why I chose not to be an astronaut because I was like well if they're not sending people into space then what's the point of being an astronaut but I would love to go to space I would love to be able to see the planet just to see it and not be on it as much as I don't know how I would feel about like the actual rocket ship launch. I feel like that would scare me a bit. But I think like the opportunity to see how vast the universe is, is an experience that will humble humanity. Cause I think like on earth, like we all just, we like say like, oh, you look different from me or, oh, I don't agree with you or, oh, I hate you cause of this or I don't like you cause of that. But it's like, we're all on one marble. You know what I mean? Like, it's still, we're on one marble. It's just us. Like, we literally live on paradise, live in paradise, and we pollute it, we destroy it, we fight each other, we argue with each other, we hurt each other. And I'm like, I think if people go to space, they would drop those differences because they realize, like, this is all we've got. Like, this is our marble right here. But I don't know. Would you go to space? Well, okay. Uh, I'm going to answer your question and then I'm going to go back to sort of, I'm going to play the okay. questions to what you just said. But <laughs> I think I would, honestly. I, I don't know how I would do it. I think just same. The, just having the opportunity would be amazing. Um, like, yeah, I think it, it, there's, there's just seeing the earth from a different perspective and just also seeing a new planet would be amazing. And like seeing stars it's such a quiet spot as well because like you know you can you know one can go to the mountains and look at the night sky and like probably where the most quiet available spot on earth but you know in space where there is no sound it would just be amazing to see the earth with no sound yeah. just gaze at it but uh i will play the pessimist when i when i think about space exploration if it'll bring world peace but I don't, I don't know, know if it I, would bring world peace. I don't think it necessarily would, but I think it would be a fresh perspective, like I think on I'm our problems. Of, um, I think I probably look at like past examples, like for example, Christopher Columbus. Right? It didn't turn out well for the natives. You know, that's an <laughs> understatement. 
and just to think but that who are know, we conquering i don't know it's like if, if if space became readily available i think people would get greedy people would of course start arguing you know who has what and then where should we go and come back to earth and you know maybe feel more disagreement and conflict but mm. who knows maybe space will go your way where it's like we realize the hum- you know how humble and small and insignificant we are and then we bond <laughs> over our commonalities more than our differences i don't know yeah I, i'm but not the thing a, is like what I, are I'm we not conquering a, I'm not a space expert i know i'm like but the thing is it's like okay the only planet we can really conquer is mars because jupiter is not even a terrestrial planet it's not like we could land on jupiter or like any of those other further out planets so it's like where who are we conquering you know and i i, think I, I hope- see it more like if you know, if somebody struck oil or somebody struck uh, a new horizon, it's like, mm. oh, there's so much of it. I want to like. We like, want oh, it all. Yeah, yeah. Like, not, that's not so much like the sort of greedy aspect of like we want it all, but it's like, oh, there's so much of it. It's like I can use it. It's like you know. Mm. Yeah, but do you? I, I guess like because you didn't answer this question. Do you think there are aliens out there? roaming the cosmos define alien (laughs) a consciousness that can move its physical location yeah yeah if you were gonna ask me do you believe that something that looks like et exists i would probably be oh no not necessarily like et like if for all i know it's an amoeba you know what i mean that's just a slime ball that's just Plu plu pluing across whatever little thingy it's on, or maybe it's like a an ant on a a, a comet, or I don't know. I think wasn't isn't there a hypothesis that like the first cells slash bacteria was brought by asteroids during like that's what I heard first billion years of Earth. Like yeah, theory. like because they've been smashing. It was smashing, smashing, smashing the planet. There's so many things that could and then, like, have. Like one of these rogue meteors brought bacteria to Earth, which eventually became a eukaryote. What if there are other humans, like older humans, like like you said, like what if like we got that bacteria from that human planet and they're just somewhere else, far, 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 far away, and yeah, who, who knows? knows what they did? I mean, it's a universe, right? It's a, it's it's uh it's it's limitless. So do you think of do you think that there is a multiverse? So, like, there's other versions of me and you also having conversations at this very moment, just in other dimensions. I genuinely don't have a yes or no, because my idea is that, does it matter? I guess it doesn't matter. It's not like, but if you could meet said Christopher, would you want to? I mean, that gets into, like, the, uh, what is it, the, uh, the, uh. Uh, like the the grandfather clock sort of thing. It's like, well, is that truly me? Because it, it's like it's not me, obviously. I feel you. It's a different me. It's a it's a different me. So it's a different me, still me. It's like I, I don't know. I just until I guess I until somehow if if he comes through a portal, an interdimensional portal, and then I realize, oh wait, that kind of looks like me, but it isn't me. It'd it's be like, your okay, twin. Then yeah. then I'd be then I'd be interested in answering the question. But until that happens, I'm like, eh, doesn't really matter to me. I guess. I guess. I saw like this interesting like post. They were like, "I wonder if aliens are just billionaires from other planets." You know, seeing like our first humans that went into space. Yeah, it was astronauts from government programs, but now you're seeing like 
people of significant wealth can afford to have these types of experiences because they have significant wealth. But I don't know. It is an interesting thought. I feel like if we ever saw an alien. Hmm. Actually, no, I take that back. I don't know what we would do if we ever saw it. What would you do if you ever saw an alien? It depends on what kind of, is it like a predator alien that's trying to Christopher Columbus us? You know what I mean? Or <laughs> they're trying to enslave us? Or is it more of like an E.T. situation where brother is just, you know, trying to make it back home and he's coming in peace? So I think it depends on the intention. If it was coming for the sake of like helping you, helping us realize the error in our ways, I'd be like, sure, what's up? Tell me what is going on. Give us the secrets, you know, to how to get off this planet. But if they're trying to kill us, then that's rough. That's all yeah, I can I say. Think I, <laughs> I, I, I pretty much do, yeah, do the same thing as you do. But, I mean, I, I don't know if we would ever... It, it would be funny to me if, like, if, like, the Predator movie was just how it played out. Like if that I mean, real life. <laughs> I wouldn't blame the alien because I'm like, humans do the exact same thing. Like, we're predators to ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, like Christopher Columbus, it wasn't good for the natives. You know what I mean? So it's like, clearly we have this mentality of conquer. But I don't know. I assume like our generation is less of a colonizer mindset and more of like a let's be in a utopia i don't know like a yeah I would let's, let's, that. let's I all like do just... with the fact that the world is more connected than ever like there's no true. new continent to find i mean it's I don't true know, perhaps there's a missing lost civilization under atlantis Ooh. i'm just being ignorant to it no but... there was new zealand i think they found like new landmass or like a new continent that's like a part of new zealand or attached to new zealand that's like underwater or something like that so is that a land they are that a continent though like it was i don't know what it was once. and that kind of reminds me of doggerland it sounds more like doggerland to me i don't know if you know dark land i do not so doggerland it's not like an actual land it's just it's it's a name assigned to a piece of um Okay, how do I describe Dargoland? Okay, so basically Dargoland like is just a, underwater. It's just a landmass and it's been called Dargoland. So what it was, was it was a piece of... So if you're familiar with European geography, are you like, you know the area like west of Norway, but uh, east of England and like north of the Netherlands? That sort of like sea area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. So that part of that sea used to be above ground. About, I think 45,000 mm. years ago, 50,000 years ago. But apparently, when they were looking at the topography of it, they realized, oh, it flooded very quickly and very violently. It wasn't like gradual sea rise. Like there was a flood that happened in that giant general area. And mm. so when fishermen are out in that area, whether they're Dutch, Norwegian, or Irish, or English fishermen, they will, event- they will occasionally bring up you know, mammoth carcasses or mammoth bones. So clearly this, you know, large animals were living in the area and they have pulled up like records of like human tools and like the skeletons of wild animals that were clearly butchered and eaten by whether it was mammoths. No, this would have been humans. And so it was clearly like this area was inhabited, but why did it flood so quickly? And why did that happen? The the geological reason is sort of up in the area, but it's kind of interesting Mm. how like, Essentially, the Great British Isles were once just the high point of a larger landmass that was connected to mainland Europe. 
Interesting. Interesting. And so that's what yeah. Dogaland. Dogaland is just the name of the area, but I see, I see, because it's like it's, technically connected, but it's just flooded underwater. Yeah, because sea levels have risen since then. And what was the UK was essentially just the highest point of Dogaland. Mm. So, I guess what's I wonder what's going to happen if sea levels continue to rise and we have more situations where we have like aggressive mass flooding that forces humans to have to move to well, higher Sega, peaks. Well, say goodbye to Miami. Yeah, for sure. That's, it's go. My like, country would not exist. Bye bye. Most of Florida, a good part of the eastern seaboard, seaboard would be gone. Maryland. I feel would like have Seattle a would bay. be gone. I feel like well, isn't Seattle it fairly is hilly? Steep. Though? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it is steep, but I feel like like some of the coast would fill in. You know, because the Puget Sound would flood. I feel immediately if we have like a certain. I don't know. I'm sure they've thought of it. I think probably Colorado would be safe because Denver and all is a mile high. Yeah, a mile high. It's crazy how high up Colorado is. How, I guess like, because we, we've been talking for a, a hot minute, but what, I guess like, what are, what are your plans, Christopher? Like, what, what, are, what do you hope to do with, with the future? Where do you hope to be? Where do you see yourself like doing in, in, the, in the future? And how, how can people like learn more about you and like connect with you and like all that good stuff? Well, I'm going to answer the connecting part first because I know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody wants to reach out to me, I don't know which one's the best way and which ones I check more. But how about this? Uh, if you want to chat, contact Nicole and she can point you to me. Yeah, exactly. Send me an email, DM me, you know what's up. Just I'm available. Just find find me. And now the other part, which I'm trying to avoid, what am I going to do? Hmm all good you don't need to have a plan just like i guess like what what did you really want to be i mean i know you wanted to be an archaeologist and now we're we're an engineer but like i guess like what are you like why did you become an engineer i guess like what are you hoping to achieve with that like how you want to do a startup do you want to like i don't know build some cool techie techie stuff i think more than anything i just want to try new things i know that's such a broad no, I think that's but very I guess valid. to make it more specific is that probably one of my favorite times I've had in the past couple of years was when I was out in California and I didn't have a goal necessarily. Rather, I did have a goal, right? I had to, the goal was that I would finish up my work or whatever I was doing in California, and then I had like about six weeks at the very end, so like first half of November and then all of December. And the end goal was that my family was going to go to Las Vegas for a winter trip. And so between mm -hmm. where I was in San Francisco and six weeks later in Las Vegas, I had no obligations. I didn't have a plan. And I just thought, you know what? I'll just start walking south. And then I uh, – this was when I was backpacking. And so I eventually just thought, you know what? Let's go to Las Vegas. And then I had some money saved up. And it wasn't like – it wasn't so much travel. Rather, it was along the way, right? Because Las Vegas was the next metropolitan area to get to Las Vegas. Did I say Las Vegas twice? May have said that. It doesn't matter. Los Angeles <laughs> to Las Vegas. But it was like, you know, because I didn't have to worry about spending a lot of money because I wasn't like going to be doing all the expensive stuff in Los Angeles. It was like, okay, I'll just go to Los Angeles and see what turns up. Maybe there's a festival that day. Maybe, you know, there's a convention the day I'm there or over the weekend, maybe there's this big um, party going on, you know. And I think just having that, I, I that's probably what I enjoyed the most is that having that general idea of, okay, this is 
point B at the end of my trip. But yeah. everything else, I have no obligations. I'm just going to see what comes up along the way. Yeah. I think that's something I want to try to keep doing on in my life. It's like, yeah, you know, whether it's a job opportunity or whether it's like, hey, uh, you know, my family wants to take a trip to somewhere or, hey, my friends just moved to the city. Do they want to hang out for a month or two? It's like, yeah, it's just, you know, I know what the end goal is, but between now and then, I'd rather just leave it up and see what comes along the way. Because I think that's when I had the most fun. Because when I was yeah. in Los Angeles, I went to some restaurants that I had never seen before because I just walked down the street and saw, hey, that's a good that's a good restaurant. Let's go inside. Or I thought, you know what? I'm going to go hike up to the Hollywood sign tonight just because I have nothing else Why to do. Why not? And I actually met a person along the way. And we're friends. And then she was also from the D.C. area. So if I had never gone that day, who would have known what have happened? It's like exactly that whole idea of just, you know, I have an end goal. Don't know what's in between. Let's just see what happens. I think that's like the best balance of like, not so much a vacation, but just living your life in general. It's like having goals is great, but there's no need to look over the uh, hairs and minute details of it. Yeah, I definitely think that that's great a great outlook like being able to embrace the uncertainty of life i think is a fabulous skill to have because you really like we have no control over how things go like as much as humans think we have plans like COVID has shown like you just don't know what's happening in the world and sometimes it's best to just go with the flow and sometimes you have to just trust you know that everything is going to be okay everything's going to work out like you know where your destination a is you know where your destination b is but let the universe figure it out. Go with the flow. Like you said, you don't know what's waiting for you along the journey until you just take a leap of faith. And that's so awesome. And I think like usually when folks do that, you realize like you do have a greater time because you weren't so caught up on like, well, it has to go this way. Like, oh, I yeah. didn't meet that milestone or I'm a failure or blah, blah, blah. When it's like, no, like life is not supposed to be a perfectly linear thing it's very much just crazy randomness yeah you may take a step forward two steps back you may go to you know you may go to a side route you know as long as you're know where you want to be and you're making your way there it's just yeah whatever comes your way it's yeah it's just how life is you never know what it'll throw at you like you said so take it all in stride and see what happens next and that's for everybody listening thanks for listening to this episode of the chatterbox If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to show your support by subscribing to this podcast and leaving us a review. Follow us on Instagram at the.chatterbox for teasers and updates.